Welcome to the Wildlife Explorer, a podcast by Essex Wildlife Trust, where we aim to inspire you with our work to protect the wildlife and wild places of Essex and what you can do to help wildlife wherever you live. Today's episode of the Wildlife Explorer is going to be a bit different to our usual episodes because we are having a 30 Days Wild takeover, hosted by Campaigns Officer Extraordinaire Bailey Tate. Bailey leads on all sorts of campaigns across the Trust, from Bugs Matter and the Big Wild Seed Soap, to helping people to share our shores with our vulnerable wildlife. She's passionate about inspiring the people of Essex and beyond to get involved with our work and help give wildlife a voice. And you may have heard her featuring on several previous episodes of the podcast. 30 Days Wild is one of our biggest campaigns and takes place across the whole month of June. It's not just Essex Wildlife Trust that gets involved. All the wildlife trusts across the country are shouting about the amazing ways nature can help improve your health and well-being and encouraging people to get wild. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Bailey to start your 30 Days Wild journey. and happy 30 Days Wild. For those of you who don't know, 30 Days Wild is the Wildlife Trust's Feel Good Nature Challenge. Each year, we challenge you to do one random act of wildness every day in June. These random acts of wildness can be anything you like, as long as you're experiencing nature. For example, you could eat your breakfast in the garden or go bug hunting at your local park. 30 Days Wild is for everyone, and we love seeing individuals, families, couples, schools, children's groups, care homes and businesses all get involved and create their own random acts of wildness. So far this year, you've become puddle jumpers, wildflower meadow explorers, bee hotel engineers and nature reserve adventurers. Over the last seven years, 30 Days Wild has encouraged millions of people to explore nature and has been scientifically proven to help you feel happier, healthier and more connected to nature. Now back for its eighth year, we're hoping this will be the best year yet. Over this episode, I'll be sharing lots about 30 Days Wild and how you can make June the wildest month of your year. But first, let's hear from Abby, one of Essex Wildlife Trust's assistant ecologists, who will be taking us along with her on one of her reptile surveys. Hi there, my name's Abby, and I'm gonna be taking you out with me today on my reptile survey. It's June at the moment and it's the morning. I'm right by the coast on a big seawall that is covered in beautiful tussocky grassland. For those who might not know, tussocky grassland is grassland that's got lots of big clumps in it. So it creates a really nice, diverse, complex habitat, which is absolutely fantastic for reptiles. As I'm walking down to my reptile site, I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about the two species that we're most likely to see today, which are our two native lizard species. These are the common lizard and the slow worm. Starting with the common lizard, these are a very small little reptile. They're only 10 to 15 centimeters big. 
and they'll be greyish brown or yellowish brown in colour and they'll have stripes or spots depending on if they're male or female. So the female to start with has a dark stripe running down her back and she's quite pale either side of that stripe with a few dark spots. The male on the other hand has a much darker back and he's covered in light spots. He doesn't have any stripes. Slow worms on the other hand are a slightly larger reptile. They're about 30 to 50 centimeters long. You may be thinking, is a slow worm actually a lizard? Because I would completely understand if you thought perhaps that it was a snake, which many people do think. They are in fact a legless lizard species, but maybe that evolutionary story is for another time. So ultimately they are lizards and they have a lot of similarities to the common lizard. In terms of colouring, they are a more brown coppery colour than your common lizard and they can be grey in some instances. Females will have a thin stripe running down their back, which will be quite dark and they'll be paler brown on their back with really dark chocolate sides. The males will be a continuous colour all over and sometimes, although I haven't seen this very often, but I did see it the other week, they will actually have little blue spots on their upper body, which, as I say, is not common to see all the time, but if you do see a slow worm with blue spots, you'll know straight away that that's a male slow worm. Both of these species, the common lizard and the slow worm, you'll find in grassland habitats, also in things uh, like woodlands, heathlands, uh, moorlands and gardens. Slow worms in particular you will also see in compost heaps in your garden. They're quite well known for being there. So next time you take your grass clippings down to your compost heap, keep a little eye out, see if you spot any slow worms hiding in there. Both of these guys have predators, very similar in both species. So they will get predated by things like adders, uh, red foxes, large birds like crows, and given half the chance, domestic cats as well. They do have an excellent predator defence, although admittedly a slightly strange one, perhaps some might think. Um, so what they will do, both lizard, uh, common lizards and slow worms, they will drop their tails if they are caught by a predator. And the idea is that if that predator is gripping them slightly more by the tail than anything else, then their body will be able to wriggle free and run to safety, and the tail will continue wriggling for a couple of minutes to distract the predator to make sure that the body can get away and get to safety and they will simply grow their tail back. It does take a little bit of time for them to grow their tail back, it's by no means instant and it is a very energy intensive process so they will only do this if they absolutely have to but when needs must they can drop their tails and scuttle away to safety. These guys, like all the other reptiles in the UK, hibernate. Um, so you won't start seeing them until the weather warms up a bit around March time when the sun's out a little bit more and they'll be able to find those little pockets of sunshine where they can warm up and bask and heat up for the day. Now that I've told you a little bit about the reptile species that we might be seeing, I'll just give you a quick rundown of what I do to set up a survey. So when I set up a survey, obviously the first thing I do is find some appropriate habitat. So our tusky grassland here is absolutely great. And then I'll get some roofing felt, just the same roofing felt that you'd put on your shed roof. And I'll cut it into squares and pop it down in the grass and I'll leave it for two weeks. The reason that I leave it is so that way the reptiles can get used to it being around and they can recognise it as a safe place. If I was to start checking it straight away, that would give it too much disturbance and they might not take to it as well. But once it's been in place for two weeks, I'll then start checking it once a week, so once every two weeks. 
and just basically gently lifting up the mat, seeing if there's anything underneath and popping it back down again. I should also add that occasionally you do get reptiles, particularly common lizards actually, they enjoy sitting on top of the mats. So when I'm walking towards a mat, I do have to make sure that I have a careful watch as I'm walking towards it, just in case there's a little lizard that shoots off. They are very speedy little things, so you do have to keep your eyes peeled for them, as they can shoot off within a matter of not even a second sometimes. So quick. Slow worms you're more likely to find underneath the mat. I think I'm yet to see one be on top of a mat. So yes, they will usually be curled up underneath. You would think they might be quite obvious to see, but they are really, really well camouflaged. The stripes that the females have and the colours that both sexes have really do blend in well with the grasses. So I always make sure that when I'm looking underneath the mat, I'll take a few seconds to just really carefully look around across the whole area that the mat is covering to make sure that I haven't missed one. I'm just walking towards my first mat now. It's got a little bit of water on it. We'll lift it gently from the corner. Oh, so we have a few beetles under this one, but unfortunately no reptiles that I can see. Obviously this does happen sometimes. You can't guarantee a reptile every time. Let's have a look at the second one. Carefully from the corner. Oh, hello there. We have a beautiful female. She's got a lovely dark chocolate side, a very thin stripe running down the top of her, and then lovely kind of coppery color either side of that stripe. She's just starting to slink off into the grass now, so I'm gonna gently cover her back up. Lovely. Let's try another one, have a look. Oh, so under this one we have a juvenile slow worm. He's slinking off into the undergrowth. He's obviously been like, oh, no. Oh, no, wait, we got a second one. We have two, we have two juveniles, beautiful. Try another one, have a look. Oh, we have one male slow worm. He's hiding right at the bottom. He's underneath this little kind of bit of grass that's laying over, so I can only just see a little bit of his body and his tail, but I can see that he's all one color. Oh, and just next to him, we have a little juvenile. If you would like to do your own reptile survey at home, I would absolutely say that you should do. I think it's a fantastic thing for everybody to at least give a try. There's a couple of different ways you can do surveys. So you can do an observational survey, which is where you walk slowly around an area, just keeping a really close eye on anything that moves. Lizards, as I said before, can be so quick. It just might be the grass flicking ever so slightly. But what reptiles do have a habit of doing is wherever they're basking, even if you scare them off from it, they're very likely to come back to it a few minutes later. So if you can be patient and quiet, and if you can either stand there or sit there, for about five or so minutes after you've seen that movement and just watch the area, they're very likely to come back. I have witnessed this with a few lizards before when I'm doing my surveys and I'll see them dash off. And then when I walk by quietly later, I'll see them back in that exact same spot. So it's definitely worth it if you can be patient as you're doing your walk, come back to that area or sit and watch if you can. The other method of course is using the mats, which is what I do quite often. And at home, you can use just a square of carpet or maybe an old car mat. Anything will do. If it's quite dark in colour and it's got a little bit of weight to it, that's absolutely perfect. Pop it in some grassland if you have some, or if you've got a compost heap, pop it on your compost heap. 
anywhere that you think is suitable for finding any little lizards or snakes in your garden. Try your best, as I said, not to check it for those first two weeks. Try to avoid having a peek. I know it's super tempting. Um, and then start checking it once, twice a week and seeing if you've got any little reptiles under there. Something I must emphasize is please, please, please don't pick up your reptiles. It may be super duper tempting. I know that I get the temptation sometimes too. Um, but as I said earlier, they do have that predator defense of dropping their tail and they won't know that you're not a threat. You may have the absolute best intentions, but they will just be like, oh my goodness, there's this big person picking me up. I've got to panic. So please avoid picking them up. Absolutely watch them for as long as you can. Really just explore them and enjoy them. Absolutely take photos as well and share them with friends and talk about them. Um, but as much as you can, please try to avoid picking up your reptiles. And if you do start to see reptiles in your garden, maybe keep a little diary of them. See how many you get, how often, how it changes as you go through the seasons. Do you get maybe more in spring than you do in summer? And then maybe not so many in the autumn. See what happens. Coming up to another one here. There is, oh, just a male slowworm in the back corner. I can only see part of his body sticking out there. Very well blended in. Let's try this one. Oh, so under here we have a female. She's curled up along kind of the side of the mat, really. Um, with just her head and tail sticking out, the middle of her body is all covered by the grass overlaid. Oh, and she is just disappearing off, so I'll put that down again. There's another mat just over here. Oh, wait, before I get any closer, I can see just on top there are two juveniles sitting in the corner, and I can see they're already turning their heads ready to run. That's, there we go, as I walk over they have run off. Let's have a look underneath. Oh, there is nobody underneath this one but it was nice to see those two little juveniles sunning themselves on top. Over here, let's have a look. Oh, so we've got another juvenile sewworm curled up right in the middle. He's in like a little S shape in the center of the map. Okay, last one over here. Oh, okay, so we've just got the one female in this corner nearest me, and then on the furthest corner, I can see a juvenile with just his little face sticking out. Right, I think that's everything. We have come to the end of our reptile survey. We have checked all the mats. Thank you so much for coming along with me today. I really hope you've enjoyed it and that you've learned something new. Thanks, Abby, for taking us along with you and for teaching us about some of the amazing reptiles we have in Essex. You could even do your own reptile survey as part of 30 Days Wild. If you're looking for some more inspiration, we've compiled a list of 10 random acts of wildness to get your creative juices flowing. First on our list is making a bee hotel. These are super easy to make and you can even make a simple one out of a tin can and some bamboo sticks. Number two is go for a wild swim. Grab your swimsuit or perhaps your wetsuit and find a place to dive into nature. Third on our list is go wildflower spotting. Why not take part in the Essex Bioblitz as one of your random acts of wildness? All you need is your phone. Number four, identify a bird. You can do this by listening to their songs and calls or looking out for cues in their appearance or both. 
Number five is make a mini pond. Providing water is one of the best ways you can help wildlife over summer. We have an easy guide on how you can create a mini pond and take many other actions for wildlife on our website. So take a look to find out how. Number six is nature journaling. Keep a journal of all the wildlife you see each day and even include drawings of your favorite animals. Number seven, wildlife yoga. What better way to reconnect with nature than to get your zen on in the great outdoors? You could even act out your favorite animals as poses. Number eight is feed your local hedgehogs. Pop out some water and hedgehog food in the evening to create a feast for our prickly friends. Number nine is watch our wildlife webcams. We've got wildlife webcams streaming straight to our website. So take a look to catch a glimpse of the baby barn owls, swallow chicks and badger family. And lastly, number 10, a fitness challenge. As random acts of wellness can be anything you like, you could even challenge yourself with a physical activity this June. Here's Essex Wildlife Trust's communications officer, Lauren, to tell you about her fitness challenge. Hi everyone, I'm Lauren, and this is my first year taking part in 30 Days Wild. I've always loved nature and being outdoors, so I thought, why not take this opportunity to set myself a challenge and have a bit of fun this June? The great thing about 30 Days Wild is that there's no right or wrong way to take part. Two things that always make me feel happier are exercise and being out in nature. So this month, I'm combining the two. I'm setting myself a challenge of doing at least 30 minutes of exercise every day as my random act of wildness this month. But I'm not doing it on my own. I actually have a twin sister and we do lots of things together, so I thought it would be really fun to get her involved in 30 Days Wild too. So she's here with me. You're Hello. doing 30 Days Wild, aren't you, Gem? I am, taking part. Why did you want to take part? Well, I thought it would be really good to spend a little bit more time outdoors because I love being outside anyway. Um, so this is just encouraging me to spend more time in my local wildlife. Which... And spend more time with me? <laughs> yeah. Do you think we'll be able to do the challenge? Yeah, I think so. Me too. Gem, what sort of things have we already done for our random acts of wildness and what have we got in store for the next few weeks? We've already done quite a few different things, haven't we? Yeah, but what's your favourite bit? So, bin? we did yoga the other morning outside. That was nice because we had nice. the birds singing along as we stretched. Yeah, nice thing to do at the start of the day. We also did a run outside and through our local woodlands, which is nice. I thought that was nice because usually I run with my headphones in, but this time I decided not to have any music and just run in the woods and listen to the sounds that were there. And it kind of just made me feel a bit more connected to nature when I was running through and it made me just be happy that I was in that space. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes you don't really realise what's around you because you're so caught up with your phone or music, like you say. So it's kind of nice to switch off sometimes and just 
appreciate the wildlife. Yeah, and be present. We also did that really nice beach walk, didn't we? Because we lived near the coast. Yeah, that's my favourite. That's my favourite, I think. So I love being by the sea. Don't get to go there that often, but we should definitely try and get there more. Well, we're going to try and incorporate a few more marine-based random acts of wildness. We've got canoeing maybe lined up if we can. Yeah, and the weather's good. If we're really brave, we might do a 30-minute swim in the sea, depending on how cold it is. It might be more like a 30-second dip in the sea and 29 minutes and 30 seconds warming up afterwards yeah. but we'll see how brave we are i think it's important to remember why we wanted to do this challenge in the first place and that's to make us feel more connected to nature to enjoy our local green spaces and remember how important wildlife is the number 30 for our random acts of wildness 30 minutes of exercise every day isn't just from the 30 days wild i picked it because the national goal is to protect 30 percent of land and sea by 2030 and that's a vision that Essex Wildlife Trust is striving for. Every time I go outside and I do my walks now in June, I'm thinking I want every walk that I go on to have the chorus of singing birds. I want there to be green trees and hedgerows that I know has so much life in them. And our woodlands, hundreds of species call that a home. And I would find it really sad if I was running and walking and going through these places knowing that the wildlife that was once there isn't there anymore so every time I get out this June I'm thinking how important is nature because it makes me feel so good when I'm there and I want to keep these spaces for a really long time not just for myself but for everyone that lives here. So whether you're doing a fitness challenge like us or you're just taking the chilled approach and sitting in your garden listening to the bird song that's more than enough to get your nature fill. Gem, I've got my trainers on. Are you ready for today's random act of wildness? What are we going to do? I'm ready to go. We are going to take it easy today, aren't we? We're going to do a walk around, see if we can hear any unusual bird calls. And also my personal target is that I always hear the woodpeckers, but I can never actually see them. So I'm going to try and spot one. I always find them difficult to find. <laughs> you can hear them, but you can't see them. Good plan. We look forward to seeing what everyone else has been up to this June. So tag us on social media with the hashtag 30 days wild and we will keep an eye out for inspiration in case you've got a really good 30 minute random act of wildness for us to do. Have fun and we look forward to seeing what you're up to. Bye. Bye. Thanks Lauren and good luck with your challenge. 30 Days Wild is all about enjoying the outdoors and both the mental and physical benefits that go hand in hand with that. Which is why we love hearing stories and testimonials from participants wanting to share their experiences. For example, last year you told us how the challenge helped you cope with exam stress, helped your children sleep better and gave you a few minutes every day to take some all important me time. We're now going to hear from Emma and Bones, who are going to chat about the amazing, calming effect of nature. Hello, Bones. Hello, Emma. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> All right, thank you. Good, hot. good. Hot. It is a hot day today. It's a hot day. So, it's fair to say you've been in nature conservation for quite a while? 
uh, it's be very fair yes 20 some odd years I, can't, I care not to remember <laughs> a long 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 time yeah okay so it's in your blood <laughs> so to speak yeah I've always been interested in nature and wildlife since I was a tiny boy so yeah so so been. why what is it about being outdoors that really appeals to you it's hard to put into words it just feels right it feels like a I'm calm outdoors, I'm at peace outdoors, I feel like I fit in outdoors. Just being surrounded by wildlife and, and just listening to the the stillness which isn't still. So there's been quite a lot of research, particularly recently, around the benefits of the natural environment for people's mental and physical well-being. Mm. Do you think that's true of you? Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah, for absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. I think it's... It saved me on more occasions than I probably care to remember without me even realising it sometimes. Just even when I was at school, probably for all you kids listening, don't do this, but I used to bunk off lessons and go and sit in the woods. Okay. Um, just to get away from the hustle and bustle of a busy in a London school and big noisy kids and boring lessons. And I had my lessons in the woods by sitting among the trees and learning about them just gave me a great sense of peace of mind and do you think the physical side of things as well you've spent a lot of your time doing practical work whether that's using chainsaws or brush cutters do you think the the physical exercise has also supported your mental health as well as being outdoors oh I, I definitely think so yeah I know I know from from experience when I have been physically unwell and not able to do stuff it does have a massive effect on your mental health as well you mm. just feel fed up honestly but I guess not everybody not all of us use chainsaws for a living not all of mm -hmm. us are physically able to, to do such things but just being out in the natural environment in whichever way suits you would be good for your mental health then wouldn't it oh yeah I mean I'm sure you know as well as I do there's been umpteen studies done which show that just being in a natural place. It doesn't even have to be, you know, any sort of huge wilderness. It can just be sitting among trees or look, having a view of something green. It actually lowers stress hormones in your body, which has an impact on your physical health as well as your mental health. It, you know, so, your heart works less hard, your endorphins flood through your body, and it's a calming, calming thing. So you don't have to, you don't have to be a, a trail runner or a chainsaw operator, or even a bird watcher to enjoy the natural out, the uh, natural environment. You can just sit on a bench, enjoy the view, hopefully soak up the sunshine and um, feel the happy hormones going through yeah, you. Yeah, the rain's just as nice if you've got the right gear, sit in the rain, it's all good. I'm quite happy, you know, I work physically for a living, so I'm quite happy to sit and do nothing when I have my downtime. When I was very, very, very young and wasn't allowed to go out in the woods on my own, I used to have a window box on my windowsill in London and it just had pansies in it that I grew from seed. And I took so much joy from those little pansies, just sat there looking at them all the time. So it doesn't have to be big, it's just making that connection. It doesn't have to be physical, it's just being there. Yep. Yeah, I'm a big advocate of doing nothing in nature, if it's all possible. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the space and the fresh air, really, isn't it? And that allowing yourself the time to sit quietly and just just take it all in. Yeah. Just remove you're, yourself you're, from you're, the busyness. What we forget with wildlife is that we are connecting with other beings, even if they are just, I say, just trees. People forget 
that's as wild as a wolf in the Rockies. A, a weed in the pavement is, is wildlife. It's wild. It's a living creature and it has a connection to us. And more importantly, or as importantly, it underpins the health of the planet, doesn't it, in terms of oxygen, soil health, water quality. I mean, it's all, it's all interlinked. Oh, yeah, it's all interlinked. Without it, we'd be absolutely stuffed. So enjoy being part of the natural environment. Definitely. In whichever you way suits part, you. You are part of the natural environment. Just rekindle that connection. And take the time to do so. Absolutely. Thanks, Bones. Enjoy the rest of the sunshine. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Emma and Bones, for sharing your thoughts and stories with us. For the next few minutes, we're going to take a leaf out of Bones' book and sit and listen to a woodland soundscape recorded right here in Essex. Get ready to be transported into the woods and listen closely to see if you can pick out the unmistakable song of the nightingale. Full of plops and trills, whistles and gurgles, nightingale song increases in volume when the birds feel they need to compete with other background noises such as traffic from passing cars or other birds to ensure they give themselves the best chance of being heard by a female nightingale. We hope you enjoyed listening to the bird song. If you want to hear more, head to our social media channels each morning throughout June to hear our sounds of 30 Days Wild and immerse yourself in the magical melody of wildlife. Now it's time to go out and enjoy 30 Days Wild. We hope you all have a wild month. <laughs>